Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas and Caballeros. Welcome back to another edition of Leaving Ring Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas, with my co-host, as always, from New York City, Amilcar. What's going on, brother? I'm good, fam. How are you doing out there in the West Coast? It start. Oops, shit. It's starting to get really. Uh, <laughs> it's starting to get really warm over here, man. To tell you the truth, um, who's trying to work outside and Jesus got the sun rays just beaming on my back. And uh, so it's going to be that time. Start pulling out the umbrella, you know, and uh, putting on some uh, sunblock, you know, protect myself from the sun rays. That's 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 about it. How's it going over there first off, bro? Because I remember you saying that the weather was cold and stuff. Yeah, it, it warmed up today. I was actually uh, out uh, on my way home just before the show and it was quite nice outside. You know, the sun's setting here later on in the evening. So it's uh, nice evenings, man. Absolutely. And as Saturday, Saturday was a nice evening of boxing, and I know we got a lot to do as it relates to talking about that. Exactly, you know. Well, and as always, we got a lot of stuff here to unhand wrap on leaving the ring. Don't forget to jab the like button and uppercut that notification bell. Don't leave it to the judges to let you know when we're on live here on uh, leaving the ring. Uh, follow our, our Twitter accounts, leaving the ring boxing, uh, a milk car, uh, a maestro, a milk car on Twitter as well. And if you guys want to call in, certainly can. 718-618-4284 here on Leave It In The Ring. But let's get down to it. Here's the tight schedule that we got going. Trilla says that uh, they made $1.3 million. We got the uh, Showtime boxing schedule. Then we got to talk about Tony Harris's performance with that draw that he received. And uh, Demetrius Andre, you know... Um, some say he looked stellar. Some say he didn't. Some say they don't care to see him ever again. Others say, hey, we got to see him get in there and hopefully get a shot at either Charlo or Triple G. But let's start off with that trailer there, uh, Amilcar. What was your reaction? What are your thoughts about that card? Okay, so I'll just walk you through my, my experience with the card. I was actually watching the DAZN card in the afternoon, as I think a lot of us were. And then... In the evening, I turned on Fox because it was uh, live on Fox. Here it's uh, Fox 5 here in New York City. And, um, you know, it was free boxing, literally. And uh, the card was pretty good. And uh, while that card was going on, when there were breaks, I was, like, checking out Triller just to see what was going on because I knew the main event was going to start late. The first time I tuned in, a fat guy was slapping another fat guy in front of Ric Flair. And then I went back to the Tony Harrison card. The second time I tuned in, there was like a bunch of strippers doing like a, a stripping show. And then I tuned off and I went back to the Harrison card. And then the third time I tuned in, I saw an old Frank Mir fighting. Well, actually, I should say hugging uh, an old... Um, USS, uh, what, what did what did Delaware call him actually? USSR. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, it was uh, that that was my experience with it, and I, and I ended up just watching the entire uh, a fight between Steve Cunningham and Frank Mir, and listening to a drunk unk De La Hoya, Tio Oscar, as I was calling him Saturday. Right. Just just being a, a drunk uncle live on TV. It, it was sad, but also very hilarious at the same time. Yeah, you know, um, look, if you're a boxing fan, hardcore boxing fan, and you bought it, you know what you bought. I don't see why there's so much uh, hate about the Trilla thing. Um, When Leaving the Ring gets it in their Gmail uh, for the press, and Al Bernstein is actually pumping this up, um, and it says... Ice Cube and all these other names, you know, the too short is going to be there and they're going to perform and all that. I I already knew what we were going to get. My kids are the one that they were having a fight party. They were, you know, they told me on Saturday, hey, we want to have a fight party. And I was like, go right ahead. They bought the fight. So I was like, well, I'm going to be watching the Tony Harrison fight um, while they're doing that. And if, you know, if it doesn't uh, counterpart each other and there's still time, I'll go jump over and watch it, the, the remainder of that card of Trilla uh, with the with the boys, right? <clears throat> well, by the time Tony Harrison was done, I went over there and I saw the same thing you were seeing. And I just noticed that everybody that was there in the game room with my kids, it's all their buddies, um, nobody was paying attention to it and nobody cared about it. They even took off to go get pizza, to go eat pizza, I'm sorry. Because there was nothing happening. They saw that they had time to kill because of the concert that there was, you know, having there. Um, I just thought it was hilarious to hear, you know, Snoop Dogg say that he's bringing something to boxing that's needed. I was still waiting for what was needed for boxing. And there was, to me, was never delivered. What about you? Well, I mean, the one serious fight on the card was supposed to be Red Cats versus Pro Gray. And that might be the most embarrassing fight on the entire card of the fights that I saw. I mean, first of all, I've never seen a wife uh, get that close to the ring in a boxing match. She was there yelling at the referee. I, I at the point, at that point, I thought it was actually a low blow, but then we saw multiple camera angles and it was clear that this dude did not get hit below the belt. He barely got touched. He got like a slap on the side of the body with like <laughs> this part of the glove. And he went down as if he just got nailed with a baseball bat to the cojones, man. I, I've never seen like I've never seen he anything literally, like that. He literally went out on the stretcher. That's the crazy yeah. part. I've never seen anybody leave on a stretcher after if it was a low blow. You know, and like you said, it was it was the the palm of well, not even the wrist that connected yeah. on the side of a maybe the top of his hip bone. I don't know, but as you saw, you know, Regis Progress was in every right to say, "Listen, I want a TKO on my record. I don't want a, you know a, 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 a no contest. I don't want any of that. Give me the TKO, and rightfully so." the commission and just everybody that was involved in that fiasco gave him that TKO. So that was a good thing that came out of it. Now, now 
I, you know, I got a lot of calls and everybody was like, dude, what did you think about this? This seemed like it was just a total shit show. I was reading your tweets. It was hilarious. And I was just like, you know, here's the thing. This is my question to you, Milkar. If you're not an avid boxing fan, but you tune in to watch uh, the YouTuber and the MMA guy, which I don't know much about either one of them, and you tuned in, like my kids, they tuned in with their buddies to watch this fight, okay? And everything was drawn out. They didn't even get real, they didn't really get anything out of that entertainment value except for music. Stuff that they could do on their own. Uh, surprisingly, the kids were, a lot of people that I talked to today were saying, I bought the fight to watch a fight and I didn't get that. That wasn't delivered. So my question is, and I've asked this to everybody that I've talked to who came across this fight. I've asked them, did it intrigue you to now move on to buy the next Trilla event, which would hold the unified lightweight champion, uh, Teofimo Lopez? Well, yeah, just first off, just salute to everybody in the chat. Thank you for joining us today live on the Leave It In The Ring uh, Network channel. As to your question, David, I am not interested that much in the next... Well, actually, I guess I have to be because Teofimo's fighting Cambosis. And that I hope we can talk later on about that press conference because I just thought that the dude came across as a total cornball. Um, but we'll hopefully get to that later. Look, people don't tune in to the Super Bowl, at least I don't think they do, to watch the halftime show. People tune in because they want right. to watch football. Um, I think people tune in to these cards because they want to watch a fight. Now, maybe it's a fight featuring Jake Paul uh, more than it's a fight featuring Regis Progre, but I think they tune in to watch a fight. I don't know how much benefit Doja Cat and these, and uh, I mean, I missed a lot of these performances because I was, I was switching back and forth. Uh but just, uh, Justin Bieber was there, too. Uh, I don't know how many people are tuning in for that. Um, you know, I'm also wondering maybe that's like a promotional tool for these artists. Maybe they're not really getting paid that much to be there. It's like advertising for them and to let people remind them that maybe they have a single out or an album's coming out. You know, almost like a promotional tour, so to speak, right? Um because I just don't see the benefit right now in those guys performing. Uh, it feel, feel like uh, filler material to me. It wasn't really that entertaining. Mm. And uh, I'm a huge fan of E-40. Like, I actually tweeted out about E-40 over the weekend. Like, I think his last two singles have been really good. But I don't tune into boxing to watch, the, to watch E-40. Right. I tune into boxing to watch. So, and I think you said it yourself, uh, your kids tuned in to watch the fights, right? Right. They didn't tune in for the other bells and whistles. So, a uh, shout out D-Style. Thank you for joining us. A-Rod Nando, Mar uh, Mario Figueroa, Tony Yeo, LT, Andre, Puerto Rican Rum, Pablo, Renteria, and everyone else in the chat. Thank you all for being here live on Leave It in the Ring. I know I'm forgetting a lot of people, but thank you so much. Yeah. You know, A-Rod in the chat room says, I'm buying the Teofimo fight bout but not because of the past weekend now i don't say that's why i said if you're not a boxing fan abroad i said if you didn't watch the sport and you just tuned in to watch what happened this past saturday on trilla which i know a lot of non-boxing fans especially at work um you know that 
they don't they don't watch boxing, but they did tune in and bought into this event, and uh, they moved forward to you know, excuse me, they dished out their hard work to watch this fight here, you know, um, and then even too the the talks was how hammered everybody was on the panel. Um, it was really disorganized. Uh, it, it was just really bad overall. And I described it like I was telling Amilcar before we came on air. What it really, really reminded me of, to tell you the truth, was a bunch of nerds that very, very first time got noticed at a party. That's the feeling that I got. They didn't know how to act. They didn't know how to behave. Uh, you know, Al Bernstein was there trying to be composed, trying to, uh, uh, you know, do his job, be a professional. I don't, I don't know if you're a big Howard Stern uh, but do you remember the movie Private Parts there, Milcar? I don't know if you ever watched that movie. I, I saw it when it came out when I was like in middle school a really long time ago, but I definitely remember it coming out. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, I don't think I watched it, though. No, I didn't. No. You know, um, well, there's a scene in Private Parts, the Howard Stern movie, where Howard was trying to, because they had got, they fired, uh, the network fired Robin. He was trying to get her back. And they put this square with them. And uh, what Howard did was, uh, the guy was a weather guy, right? And what he did, he, he, he was holding an interview where this girl came in and she, you know, put like a 14-inch cabasio down her throat. And the guy freaked out, didn't know what to do. That, that reminded me with Al Bernstein on Saturday night. He had a bunch of guys smoking out, drinking, and everybody was just kind of you know, free range, doing whatever they wanted. And Al Bernstein was in the middle trying to conduct uh, a real commentary to some fights there. But instead, it was just like, it was all over the place. Well, Nando in the chat, who uh, is a, obviously a member of the Leaving in the Ring family, says that he tuned in for E. Fonzarelli. So E40, E. Feezy. So I'm a huge E. Feezy fan too. Uh, in fact, like I said earlier, I think the Mob single is really good. I think the I Stand on That single with T.I. is really good. But when I want to listen to E-40, I listen to E-40. When I want to watch E-40, I watch E-40. I think most people tune in for the boxing. And if we're going to rate it on the product of boxing, I think it was a very poor product. We had Frank Mir against Steve Cunningham. Not a very good fight. I think the most entertaining thing about that fight was it clearly inebriated, possibly Oscar. coked up, possibly coked up Oscar, They're calling him USSR and you know screaming. And it, I think Mario Lopez was pretty embarrassed. He was like providing interpretation for his drunk rant. Uh, that was probably the most entertaining part of that fight. The red catch fight, especially the knockout with Progre. Actually, it wasn't know if it was a knockout. Whatever it was classified as was a total joke. Right, the TKO. And you had Ben Askren, who, I mean, this guy was a former world champion in MMA in two promotions, I believe. He was an Olympic wrestler. I mean, he came in looking like Homer Simpson did when Homer Simpson started boxing on, on the Simpsons, all flabby. And he just got sparked by, again, a guy with no amateur fights. And right yet to take on a professional boxer and that was the main event so i mean look boxing product poor um 
if you're looking at it a concert product again, I don't think people tune into the Super Bowl to watch the halftime show. But it was it really Correct. a boxing product though? I mean, I see the value of the entertainment and and also, I mean, look. I guess I got to be a devil a devil's advocate here. You know, you have a prospect that is fighting which other prospects have done is guys that have zero on their record or guys that have 21 losses and never a win and they're facing a, a, a hot prospect. I'm looking at that kid, Jay Paul. That's what they're doing with him. I agree with you. He's headlining, you know, and I think that's where the, the, the line's got to be drawn is that if you're headlining, then you should be facing bigger fights. But if he's a demand, which I think he is, though, Amilcar, he is a demand now to these, uh, you know, Tinny boppers that watch the YouTubers. I mean, hey, that's my kids come from that generation. They were like excited to watch this fight. They were like, oh, I hope he gets his ass kicked. Um, and I was just like, really? I mean, but they were excited the last time when he was on the zone. So I, I, I don't think it hurts boxing, and I, but I certainly don't think it helps boxing. But if Trillo was really looking to t- be taken serious as a major player in the sport of boxing, and was trying to help get more eyes to want to buy into the Tilfimo Lopez sweepstakes in their next event, I think they really, they missed the bar there. Well, yeah. The, the next promotion is going to be rather interesting. I'll get into that in a second. I was laughing because Puerto Rico, Puerto Rican rum said Oscar De La had enough Perico in him to kill an elephant. <laughs> and... Uh, Tony Yeo says that uh, Mario Lopez, Eric Gomez, and the rest of Ring TV staff <laughs> should be so embarrassed uh, to let Dude. Oscar go up. And I agree. Like, it was not a good look for, for Oscar. Is this guy really a businessman, a promoter? Is this who Virgil Ortiz is entrusting with his career? Is this who Ryan Garcia is entrusting with his career? Really? A guy who's getting drunk and high on, on live television – and essentially promoting himself. You know, one of my biggest issues with Floyd being a promoter is that it's difficult to be a promoter when you're promoting yourself. Eddie Hearn ain't out there providing live commentary to fights. Eddie Hearn isn't talking about going into the ring to fight people. Eddie Hearn, whether you like him or not, is focused on the job of being a promoter for his fighters, which is why I consider him the best promoter in the game. Now... As it relates to the next card with Teofimo Lopez and uh, George Cambosis Jr., let's start with the press conference. Hmm. That was not a good look for Teo. To me, Teo came off as kind of a cornball. I mean, you're the undisputed lightweight champ of the world, dog. Mm -hmm. And you're taking off your shirt because some uh, mandatory challenger is saying that you look a little bit heavy, really. <laughs> uh, I mean, it it just came off as super corny the entire thing. And then Gambosis is in like these shoes that like guys that are like barely over five feet wear, like these little uh, athletic platform shoes that make you look taller. And I mean, that guy's making you come out of your of your comfort zone and and come out of yourself and, right. and behave like that. Really? Come on, man. So, uh, G Funky's distracting me because he's saying some some negative stuff about E forty. We'll get into that later. But 
Yeah, I'm not a big I'm not a big E40 fan either, so I feel you, G Funky. But uh, so here's the thing with the next with the next promotion, right? The co-feature in that promotion is not anyone who the quote unquote Gen Z is going to be flocking to see. I, I don't know about you, Dave, but I don't really think the the Gen Z is is that crazy about. Peter McNeely and Evander Holyfield. There's no, no YouTube star fighting another YouTuber on on this card. It's Holyfield McNeely, Teo Cambosis. Cambosis. It's very interesting to see if that's going to sell like this because the demographics are like all over the place. It, it There's really... no Jake his promotion. Well, you know, listen, you had mentioned a little earlier, uh, I forgot who said in the, ch- in the chat room saying they should be, you know, Eric Gomez and so-and-so should be embarrassed about letting Oscar go on there. Uh, Trilla should be embarrassed uh, the way they've been, you know, conducting this whole entertainment so- so-called value. I mean, they're pretty much telling you they're going to put whatever they want together and they're going to sell it to you. You know, and and they're gonna they're gonna put a nice big bow around a piece of shit, and you're gonna take it and you're gonna eat it. That's where we're at. I, you know, what I don't like though is when people are saying like, "It's well, you know, this is boxing." Honestly, that one point three million, if that's true, Milkar, how many of those people were boxing fans, and how many of them were MMA fans? Because a lot of MMA fans were rooting for that other guy, not Jake Paul. You're absolutely right, uh, Ben Askram. So, look, you've got the MMA element that's not going to be there for the Teofimo Lopez card, right? You've got the YouTube element that's not going to be there for the uh, Teofimo Lopez card. And then you're bringing in the uh, a 50-plus-year-old element, like the fans of Evander Holyfield. Like, with all due respect, Evander Holyfield just is not as popular as Mike Tyson, right? He doesn't have a podcast. He's not, you know, no. bunning the guy. Uh, on 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 YouTube with like celebrities and and people that young people can relate to, okay. Um, I don't really know if the recipe is there for success. I mean, I'm happy for Teo and, and t- for George to be getting the bag because they're making significant money off of this, and they can actually thank uh, George Gambosis's team for that, uh, which was something he kept harping on that Teo Fimo didn't really have a response to. It was his team that set up the Triller deal something that I've discovered over the past couple of weeks. In fact, his manager is now head of boxing for Triller Fight Night. So that's what it's mm. called, right? Fight Night or yeah, Fight Club? Yeah, Fight Night, Fight Club. Yeah. Fight Club. So, that's the first thing you don't do in Fight Club? I wouldn't talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, salute, brother, but I, I, I hear you. Little Joe, I mean, he was in these, like, uh, high platform tennis shoes which makes Teofimo look even more like a cornball for even responding to this dude, taking his shirt off, acting all crazy on stage. It, to me, it just was a clown show, literally. It really um, reminds me, really honestly reminds me, rest in peace, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, rest in peace, DMX, rest in peace, Black Rob, two of my favorite rappers who just passed away recently. Uh, but it reminds me when we had Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and he said, "Listen, in my generation, we didn't need to push. We didn't make. We didn't need to make uh, uh, like go over the top. We were professionals. 
we knew our job. We knew that we had to show up and we were going to try to take each other's heads off. That's our job. We're prize fighters. The, all the other stuff that's being added, it's it's not needed. It's it's still considered a gentleman sport. And it just seems like a lot of people have forgotten that, you know. Going back with Trilla, they really don't understand that, you know, and I've said this before, remember going on your show talking about We've had celebrities, we've had rappers try to, you know, dip their toes into promotions uh, and being the promoter, uh, wearing the promoter hat in the boxing. And they all seem to always think they got a different formula that's going to work, you know. And in reality, if it's not broken, why try to fix it? Which means if you put just good fights, people will come. But I don't think they were trying to go for that, to tell you the truth. I mean, I don't think they really work shooting that route because if they were this would not have been their very first real event you mean the Teofimo Lopez card no the Jake the Jake Paul card well it's their second event because their first event was, was the, Mike Tyson uh, I yeah I know the Mike Tyson but I thought but I honestly thought Mike was more of the push like in my opinion I thought Mike was the and Roy Jones were kind of like more of the promoters in my opinion where this was like yeah. Trilla all on their own where they had to really try to push this byproduct to everybody in their face which I gotta say man they did a great job think about it it ended up on everywhere ESPN I mean everybody everywhere it was on there so I can't hate on their their hustle but their product obviously didn't deliver and it's just not me saying it didn't deliver I mean if you go on social media the people that bought into it they weren't too happy with the product they got even the people that were saying they legally streamed it they were saying they felt like they got gypped <laughs> well I don't know how much Tyson Fury would like that but um yeah the pe- the people who who oftentimes stream are like the biggest complainers about the quality of a product. I've always found that very interesting. But look, it was just not a very good quality card. I'm sure it did numbers because of Jake Paul. I'm sure it got a lot of media attention because of Jake Paul and because of the quick ending of the fight. But I don't really think that 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 it was very good. I I actually thought the Andrade fight uh and the car there was much much better i enjoyed watching that this afternoon or I that afternoon my only complaint about boo boo i know he got a lot of criticism mm-hmm. i'm just not a big fan of the ducking low strategy we're gonna and, talk about that mm-hmm. yeah and and the inside game is is something he needs to improve on because there was a lot of holding in that fight i mean there was more holding in that fight than there was in the Lennox Lewis Henry Akinwande fight, which was the last time I remember a guy being disqualified for excessive clinching in a in a heavyweight fight. There was so much clinching in that fight. Anytime uh, Liam Williams tried to go to work on the inside, he got uh, he got just held up and clinched, you know, and. Um, it's often going to be difficult, too, when a guy's defensive strategy is essentially to dip his head low and move forward. You know, it's uh, it, it's not the most appealing. My wife was watching it. It was the first time she'd seen him fight, and she's starting to get into uh, into boxing um, because, I mean, it's kind of difficult. I'm watching it almost all the time. And, um, yeah, and she's amazing, and she just reminded me. She definitely is. And... Uh, <laughs> 
And um, but the fact is, she was not entertained by by that style. Right. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it's a it's look. It's not an entertaining style, but it's an effective style. Uh, I talked about this last night on the quick take. Uh, the looking down in the canvas, it's the cardinal rule. You don't take your eyes off your opponent. That's something. I tweeted this out. I said, listen, I, th- I think he gives rounds uh, to Canelo. I think he, I don't think he beats Canelo, but I think certainly he's going to frustrate Canelo with the holding and the moving uh, and making it a really, really ugly fight. But the thing is with that, looking at the canvas, Canelo's going to catch that. He's a student of the game. Uh, Reynoso, Eddie Reynoso and the team are students of the game. They watch tape on who they're going to face. That's why they're able to capitalize on your weakness. Uh, and that's something that Andre's going to have to fix on his part. His team and them are going to have to go, okay, let's take away the kinks. Let's iron them out so that if we do get whoever else up next, they're not going to capitalize on that. Now, I don't think he's going to get Canelo. Canelo has a lot of business to take care of at the 168. I'm wondering, though, uh, I'm wondering this, Amilcar. Does Eddie Hearn, I mean, look, the interview after, the post-interview was Eddie Hearn was like, I don't know what's going on with Triple G. Uh, PBC, we're willing to go over there if you don't want to come to the zone, blah, 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 blah. I don't think it's a question about that. The risk to me seems to be high. I think that's why none of the middleweights are talking about him. Uh, I know in the past they were, but we're here in the present. Do you think it's time for Eddie Hearn to start digging a little bit deeper in his pockets to intrigue other champions and other fighters that want to get in with Boo Boo now? I think I think he's stated that he's tried to do that already, David. He's mentioned multiple times in like multiple interviews that Boo Boo's willing essentially to take the exact same purse that Sergey Devrinchenko took hmm. to fight Jamal Charlo. And it's pretty difficult to justify him getting a lesser purse than Sergey Devrinchenko. I mean, if he's willing to, to take that money, I think that that's fair. But you know what? Jesus in the chat, I got to big him up. Thank you for joining us live. He brought up a great idea. How about Dungora versus Andrade? I mean, they're talking about the 168 IPO title as if it's a, a, a major world title. We all know that it is. But I've been very impressed by uh, Gongora in the times that I've seen him. The first time I saw him, I believe, was on like a PBC card like years ago. Right. And he did a dude. I forget the brother's name. But I like that guy's style, man. Yeah, uh, I do too. He's a South tricky you know he's got power uh he's aggressive he can fight on the inside hey zeus i gotta give you all the credit bro that's a great matchup he signed to the zone he signed eddie hearn he's at 168 that's a makeable fight right no it certainly is well i mean we would think right yeah that's obviously if andrade wants to move up the problem, too, David, is that Triple G doesn't want any business with anyone that could possibly beat him, which at this point is a lot of top guys, right? Um, God, yeah. The Liam Williams, the Liam Williams, I, and I, I'm sorry if we've got the Triple G uh, fanboys in the chat tonight uh, and watching us live on YouTube, but the Triple G uh, fanboys might not like what I have to say, but I'm just going to say it. The Liam Williams I saw on Saturday would have would have. He would have taken it to him. 
Uh, that would have been a rough and rugged fight. Really? What I... that guy showed me is that he is mentally tough. He's got a will that's very difficult to break. And what Triple G does is he kind of breaks you, breaks you down mentally uh, throughout a fight. Uh, that would be a good fight. I don't think he's going to get it. A Triple G wants, like Eddie Hearn said, he wants to wait until New Year's Eve to take mm. on Murata and Japan. In Japan. I mean, really? Yeah. So he can't get Murata because he's obviously looking for Triple G. He can't get Charlo, who's taking on, um, um, uh, what's the guy's, not, it's not Montiel, it's Mun. Look, I can't remember the dude's name right now. Um, but like a number five rated challenger, and that's in it within his own sanctioning body. Andrade is not getting the fights. So it's tough. This is the curse of the WBO championship. And I said that on the Leaving in the Ring live uh, a roundtable on Thursday on D-Style Boxing. When you carry that WBO title, regardless of what a lot of people may think, it's not of the same prestige as the WBC, the WBA, and the IBF. What you're doing is you're eliminating yourself from rising in the rankings in the other weight classes. Uh, sorry, in the other uh, championship uh, uh, sanctioning bodies. Oh, Montiel. Thank you very much. I thought yeah, it was Montiel. Montiel. Yeah, it is Montiel. Yeah. That's what I said the first time. I thought it was him. I'm just second guessing myself here. Um, yeah, so he can't go up the rankings of WBC. He can't go up the rankings of the IBF. He can't go up the rankings of the WBA. So he's never going to be in a mandatory shot. He's carrying around the WBO title. And let's face it, a lot of the other champions don't really feel like they need. Well, I think the only thing I could say about that is... <laughs> that was weird, bro. I'm not quite sure what was going on there. <laughs> That's your boy, uh, Boo Boo, man. <laughs> try not to, to 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 give too much credence to uh, you know post fight interviews. I mean, the guy was just getting his skull banged around for 12 rounds. But yeah, the, I I can't really explain that one. Well, you know, look. Uh, Liam Williams, obviously, he put a, put a great effort trying to go after and make a fight out of it. You know, um, God, you know, my pet peeve is always seeing fighters falling in their punches. Uh, a corner not telling, you know, telling them, hey, stop, you know, uh, stop moving forward. You know, uh, uh, wait for his reaction. Uh, forget the jab. Throw the straight right. Throw something else. You know, be creative. Uh that's what the, the tower coaches are there for, to see the things that the fighter doesn't see. And you know what? I mean, the kid's tough, uh, but I guess I would just have to disagree about the whole Triple G thing. I think Triple G just boxes circles around him and actually even makes it a much easier looking fight than the way uh, Demetrius uh, Boo Boo did. The well, jab... The I saw I, uh, maybe the Triple G of like two, three years ago, but the Triple G I saw last time uh, is an inactive Triple G, and it's a Triple G that gets hit a lot. He's just lucky that the guy he fought last time. But he's not quick as. But he's not quick. He's not as quick as like Dermanchenko. That's why I thought Dermanchenko was a lot more successful. Um, you know, Dermanchenko doesn't smother himself where he falls into his punches, where he's able to be grabbed and held onto. 
Um, and here's another thing. I think Triple G's jab still I, solid. Dave, I wasn't talking about Devranchenko. I was talking about Camille Zarameta, the, the Polish fighter who oh. he, uh, who he TKO'd. That dude had limited punching power, but he was touching Triple G up. Triple G did not look very good to me in that fight. I'm talking about the fight that took place last December. I agree with you about Devranchenko. Devranchenko is a solid dude. Right. I was speaking. I was speaking about uh, Camille Zarameta, though. But look, I'm not saying it wouldn't be a close fight. Um, I, I just think that Liam Williams would give him a tough test for sure. I just want to remind everybody, Dave, that lines are open seven one eight six one eight. 4284 if anyone wants to call in. 4284 okay. We are live on the Leave It in the Ring radio network and uh, on YouTube. Okay, well, let me bring on our first guest here, uh, Darren Cunningham, DC3. What's going on, brother? How you doing, man? Can you hear us? I don't know if you can hear us here, but we got him on. Okay, he left, so hopefully he comes back on here with us. Um, but continue, Milkar. What were you going to say? What was the next thing you were going to say? Uh, no, I was just talking about the middleweight and um, that I, I thought Liam Williams did well. He would have done well against Triple G. And that essentially just to summarize what I was saying, that uh, Boo Boo's problem is that he's in the WBO. He's got that title. People don't regard it as they regard the other titles. And it's like limited opposition for him right now. It's going to be difficult for him to become a star because people just are not feeling the need to have to fight him. Absolutely. Let me bring back on uh, Darren DC3 Cunningham. Can you hear us, bro? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, man. How you doing? Hey, thanks for joining us first off here on Leaving the Ring, bro. No, Much... thank you. I appreciate you all for having me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, 13 wins undefeated. You got seven KOs under your belt. You're from St. Louis, Missouri. 23 years old, super bantamweight. Um, you know, let me ask you this, you know, because I'm mean, pretty sure everybody's going to come at you in other interviews. They're going to say, oh, who's your favorite fighter? Who got you in and who did all this and that? But let me ask you something a little different. When right now, especially as, as, you know, trying to make a name for yourself, trying to get out there and make other folks notice you, uh, regardless of what, what you already bring to the table, what are you seeing from other champions right now that have about, that have the exposure, that are doing wrong, and you're saying to yourself and your team are saying to you, you know what, we don't want to go that route. We need to go this different route. To be honest, I don't focus on, you know, other people really. I just stay focused on myself and make sure that I do, you know, the proper necessary things. So when the time comes for me to become world champion, I'll be more than ready. Great, man. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I know I knew that I was talking to your PR through uh, text and I had said, hey, um, does he have a Twitter? And, and they were like, no, he doesn't. Hey, don't have Twitter. Don't get on social media, man. Just do all the talking you can uh, with your fists because that's the best way of actually attracting fans and getting them on your side. Right. Uh, I see a lot of fighters make this big mistake, which is addicting, you know, uh, being on social media. I, 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 you know, I, I shouldn't talk because I'm on social media all the goddamn time. But, uh, yeah, stray away from that, man. Try to stay as, uh, as far as you can from uh, social media. 
to be honest, I don't feel that it's anything wrong with social media. Mm-hmm. I think the big word is balance. You know, it's not what you do, but how you do it. Absolutely. A milk so cart. If you have a balance with each and everything that you do, then you'll be fine. Well, Darren, thank you for joining us live here on Leave It in the Ring. Um, people in the chat, if you have questions for Darren, DC3 Cunningham, just drop them in the chat so we can include your questions. Uh, what I would like you to do is talk about the scene in uh, St. Louis right now. I mean, obviously, people who know about St. Louis boxing will obviously talk about Kevin Cunningham and all of the fighters he's trained. But what's, the, what's the scene looking like right now in, in St. Louis? You were breaking up really bad. I didn't get a chance to hear you. I was, can you hear me now? Yes. I was uh, asking about it, if you know uh, or can speak about the scene in St. Louis right now as it relates to boxing. Uh-huh. He was asking about Cunningham, like, you know, uh, what do you think I, about yeah, that scene? Yeah. It's breaking up really bad. I can't hear, I can't hear you. It's okay. coming in and out. He was asking about St. Louis, the boxing scene. Um, I know you're now based out of Las Vegas and stuff, but in St. Louis, uh, how's the scene look? I mean, I, I, do you go back? I mean, pretty sure you go back home, right, to go visit? I go back probably two times a year, you know, to just visit my family. But I don't go back too often. Okay, so what in, in St. Louis, that's obviously where you started off. What was, what was the yeah. scene for you to eat, even get into the sport? Like what drew you into the sport? Well, I come from a boxing family, so all my uncles, you know, they were all am- top amateurs, and two of them turned professionals, so I always had a boxing pedigree around me, as well as Kevin Cunningham, you know, my grandfather was his second assistant, Corey Springs, Devin Alexander, you know, all the top guys, so, you know, I feel like it's in my blood. So, was this kind of like, you know, um, no choice, you were going to end up being a fighter regardless, you know what I mean? Was it one of those deals, or... Or did they give you a choice to to do this, you know? I believe it was all by choice, you know, because you can always start something and stop. But, you know, once I started, I fell in love with it, and the rest was history. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You know, know, I always often wonder, because boxing is such a lonely sport, how do you keep yourself motivated, bro? Like, what are some of the things that, what, what you do to reset yourself, to get yourself back on track to remember that the accolades are, are, are still up, up ahead and the goals that you're trying to accomplish, um, it's going to take time to get there. So what are some of the things to keep you on that road? That road. To be honest, I feel like you have to be first and foremost self-motivated, you know, and then, you know, I have the likes of Mickey Bay, you know, and world champions in my corner. So I believe in having a strong team to surround yourself you know, and, and you can compete at the highest level, you know, for a long period of time. You know, Mickey Bay used to come on the show. He was a great guy, uh, a good friend of the show. Um, you know, who's who, who's surrounding you in, in Vegas? Uh, what are some of the guys out there that you're working with? And uh, what gyms are you working out of? Well, right now I work out of a private gym, you know, that's in Las Vegas that I've been working out of for about the past year or so 
Absolutely, bro. Well, you know what, man? I'm really happy that you came on through. I'm excited to see you. I saw your last fight, first off, you know. Um, you show you got explosive, you got speed, you got everything right now that's needed, man. Let me let me ask you, if you had a grade the way you look now, what is it? From my performance or just overall? Overall. Overall, I get myself a B plus, you know, because there's always room for improvement. And I always keep my eyes and ears open to, you know, keep learning. I'm a young student in the game. So, you know, there's nothing but learning and growing to go. Right. Well, that's the way to go, man. Always stay student to the game and uh, keep yes. adding on to the repertoire, you know. And uh, do you, let me ask you, because I know a lot of kids that are in the sport, just because they're in the sport doesn't mean they love the sport, so they don't watch it. Right. Do you watch tape or no? I watched a little bit here and there, but boxing is more so my lifestyle, you know, so everything pretty much revolves around boxing, you know, in my life. Well, there you go, man. Darren, uh, DC3, Cunningham, thanks for joining us, bro. Really appreciate it. Uh, can't wait to have you back on the show with us again. Thank you for me. I thought it would be a little longer. Hopefully next time. Yeah, absolutely, brother. Take care. It'd be a gift for me to you all. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Thank you. Yeah, you know, the we're back over here trying out this, you know, uh, ECAM, man. We just have to take our interviews back over there to uh, Milcar uh, so that, because, um, man, it was kind of hard. Yeah, the stream keep crashing on us. Yeah, to, to stream, you know, I think that there's um, just an issue with handling more than two people at the same time on that one, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, I might have to cancel the X interview that we have with Henry Ramirez because it was so choppy. And then, like, we couldn't even get the uh, questions that you wanted with uh, with Darren, man. We had questions uh, about um, uh, questions about his relationship with Devin Haney and, and whatnot. We should definitely try to get the young man on again. Yeah, like definitely. Yeah, because there was so much other stuff and that I was just like, I couldn't hear him. It was really choppy. We we got to get him on again, Dave. Yeah. We got to definitely we got to definitely do that. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. I'm telling you, that was like uh man, there was so much stuff that I had written down that I wanted to talk to him about, but like I said, you know, it was just really I don't know if the everybody in the chat or tuning in was able to hear him, uh but I just saw pausing and hearing some stuff here and there. Yeah, see there was a big lag. Big, big lag. So I apologize. We have to get him back on. Definitely have to get him back on. Somebody said, USA, baby, <laughs> LT. Oscar's voice, yeah. We needed, we needed Oscar tonight. Yeah, yeah, we did, man. Um, anyways, uh, hey, okay, so before we get going and stuff, I do want to talk about the uh, Showtime schedule. Uh, but before we get into that, we, we got to talk about your boy, Tony Harrison, man. You know, you got the draw. Didn't look that great. Um, I think it's fair to say he's got to tell his brother a little more Mr. Trainer on your part, you know. Uh, we got to get away from that, and he's got to start looking for a, a real legit trainer to help him out. And I thought it was really strange here, Milkar, when I heard him, and his, I heard them talking about that they don't do well against Southpaws, they don't like sparring Southpaws, blah, blah, blah. To me, it was already kind of like setting the mood of what they were going to do and how they were going to perform on Saturday night. I thought it was a bad look. I don't know what your thoughts were. Yeah, look, I, you know what I just thought of that it kind of reminds me of? The movie Norbit. 
uh, the Eddie Murphy movie. Uh, apparently, he was in the running to win an Oscar that year for his performance in Dreamgirls, but he didn't win it, and he ended up winning a Razzie Award, which is given out to, like, the worst actor in the worst movie uh, because of Norbit. I personally didn't think that Norbit was all that bad. I mean, it was just a stupid movie. Yeah. But, I mean, he literally did Norbit to help his brother, Charlie Murphy, who wrote it and directed it. And it ended up hurting his career. Absolutely. The situation here with Tony Harrison, I mean, he gave his brother a shot as a trainer. And I think that the product speaks for itself. I mean, the outcome. The advice was not good in the corner. No. Uh, it, was, it was a At close all. fight. After the rounds, he's telling him he's doing great and to just, you know, kind of box and that he doesn't really need to go for it. Meanwhile, Roy Jones, on the other hand, did a great job. I mean, going into the 12th round. Right. He's telling Goodfella Perella that he needs to knock the other guy out because that's the kind of urgency you want to give a guy going into the 12th round in a close fight. I'm a huge Tony Harrison fan, but I, I do not think he won that fight on Saturday. And I think he was very lucky to draw. Yeah, I agree with you, man. You know what? I was so skeptical about Roy Jones being a trainer because we've seen him in the past do that. And in the past, it was all about Roy. Here, he was giving instructions. Uh, he was watching. He was being attentive to this fighter, telling him what to do. Um, it was surprising that, you know, Harris and them didn't have any adjustments. You know, there was like really no information given to him of how to adjust or to do anything a little bit more. Um, I can't Is that even. Know, David, when literally in the pre talk about the fight, the week of the fight, he's talking about how he doesn't like southpaws and hasn't really trained against southpaws and hasn't really fought southpaws. I'm like, what? You know, anytime, like, anytime what? I hear. Like somebody, like, you know, going to the gym and you've been to a boxing gym and, you know, I've been in a boxing gym. A lot of the, our listeners are avid fans of boxing. They've been in the boxing gym to train uh, either, you, whether or not you're going amateur or pro, but when there's sparring time and when you, when you already sit, when you already tell yourself in your head, I'm not going to do good, even in like weightlifting or any type of thing, even at work, let's say you're going to work, you're like, I'm just going to have a really shitty day. Guess what happens? You end up having a really shitty day. So when I heard that, I was like, these guys are already setting themselves up for failure. Like they're already telling you they're going to have a, have a bad performance. It was really weird to hear that, especially if coming from professionals. Yeah, absolutely. And we're getting some feedback in the chat, guys. Look, we owe it to the young man. Uh, yeah, we do. Cutting. We're going we're gonna to bring him on again. That's for sure. Uh, unfortunately, there's some technical issues tonight that we'll definitely sort out and get right. And uh, we will have the young man on for an extended interview uh, sometime soon. Even if we have to do it outside of the Monday show, I will right. definitely do it to, just to get just to get him on and get those questions in. Because uh, we did have people calling, um, asking in the chat about his relationship with Devin Haney, et cetera, and to talk about his his uh, you know work in the weight class and other things. But yeah. Back to what you were saying, David. I mean, all of that tells me is that the preparation in the camp was not what it was supposed to be. He is supposed to be a championship-level fighter. Like, come on now. You got to be able to not just deal with the southpaw general style, but, right. like, multiple styles within the southpaw style. 
you know, counter-punching, boxer-puncher, come-forward fighter, uh, right hook to the head, right hook to the body, straight left, uh, which side to roll with, which side to, to, to retreat from. I mean, there's so many different elements that you would have thought that there would have been preparation for that they it's not us saying this. They said it themselves. Like, right, yeah. <laughs> it's, you imagine this in professional like football or baseball where they're like, look, man, uh, we had a really shitty, shitty camp the whole year. Uh, don't expect much like, from like, us. It's like an, LF, an NFL team like the week before <laughs> like the EFC or NFC championship saying, you know what? Uh, we don't really know how to stop the run game. Like, we're only good at defending against receivers. It's like, what? Yeah. It's just, yeah. That's, that was crazy. That was definitely crazy. So Tony Harris, look, you got to go back to the drawing board, uh, not to the drawing board, but you got to do is clean house. And I know it's your brother, uh, you know, which is very tough to have in a family member because anytime you're like, you got to be honest and truthful to a family member, it doesn't end well, but his brother's got to be realistic Right? Milkar has got to be realistic and go back and look at this fight and then realize, you know what? The best thing for my brother, Tony Harrison, who's had a year layoff, uh, who was in a very tough fight, very competitive fight with Charlo, comes back, doesn't look good. It's time for him to lend the ear to listen to, uh, to everybody else that's saying, hey, listen, it's time for him to get a real trainer. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. And you do not learn to trade with a championship fighter. I think the only person I've ever literally seen do that successfully was uh, Ben Davidson, Tyson Fury's trainer. Yeah. Um, which is are just rare. I mean, look, people literally call that guy Rain Man. Remember Rain Man, the Dustin Hoffman character? Yes, sir. He just has like a very special brain as it relates to boxing. But that's like a very unique situation like you really do need to have an experienced trainer if you want to be competing at the championship level especially when you're in the championship level you know you always want to try to have your advantages you know that's why you see champions go look seeking for a strength conditioning coach going to the best facilities looking for the best sparring partners looking for the right places to do road work you're always looking to be on top of your game because you're going to need it when you start facing stiffer and harder uh, competition. This is where I'm not going to put solely all the blame on Tony Harrison's brother because some of that he's got to be accountable for, which is he's got to be honest with himself. Does he want to be in those championship fights? Does he want to be a factor? I mean, he was there. You beat Charlo once, but do you want to get back there? You know, uh, the criticism from Andy Ruiz is he's never been disciplined. He's never took it serious. But now you can see he's on the right track. Tony's need, he, Tony Harrison needs to get on that right track as well. He does if he wants to get another shot because Ryan Castano would have been – Castano, sorry, would have beaten him Saturday night. But Jamal – Charlo, sorry, Jamel Charlo would have knocked him out Saturday night. Um, and he, he, he's he got to get a new trainer. I mean, bring your brother in as an assistant trainer. Give him a shot. Let him work, learn the trade under an experienced guy. You know, I mean, his dad was a very good trainer. His right. dad was one of the father trainers in the sport at RIP to him. Um, he's got to get another, another experienced guy like that. He just does. 
He really does, you know, and how much of that honestly could um, came into play for him, not hearing a familiar voice in that corner. So are we too quick to judge and criticize this performance? Or is this just a really a sign of like when Dan Danny Jacobs, who lost his grandmother, went in there and uh, lost? Tony Harrison didn't lose in that fashion, got a draw, but like you said, uh, got a kind of a gift there. And, and you're not the only one I'm hearing that from, you know, but... At the same time, I wonder how much of the loss of his father really honestly put that major effect where didn't get to have that familiar voice to give him those right right uh, suggestions of what he needed he needed to do on Saturday. Yeah. He just needed someone who was going to tell him the truth. And I, I don't know, David, you have brothers, I believe. I don't have brothers. I have two younger sisters, so I don't have anybody in my you know, immediate family that takes on those kind of roles with me. Um, I mean, I have cousins who have done that, but, you know, if you're a male and you got a brother and your brother's the trainer, he better be an older brother that gives you the real deal, not a younger brother that just tells you that you're doing great. You know, sometimes even older brothers can't uh, feel that, feel those shoes of a father figure, you know, um, me having an older brother, a lot of folks used to think that I was the older brother, <laughs> you know, but I mean, it just comes down to me. It stems down to the fact that, you know, sometimes having family in a family business is very difficult because it holds you back from saying what's the actual reality of what's in, what's going on, you know? So I, I, I think that, I think that what he needs to do is go back, assess the situation, look at that performance, study that performance of Mokar, and then go, hey, this is what I need to do in order to take that next level step where I once was at the time. What got me there in the first place? That's what I need to go back. I need to, you know, trace those steps back of what got me there the first time. And, uh, you know, that could be the reason he didn't look that successful. Yeah, I think that's exactly it, David. You're absolutely right. And he, he's going to have to get it right because he just took a draw against the guy who was essentially a German contender at 154 pounds. Absolutely, man. Now, let's go down with that Showtime schedule. Let me ask you, out of all the fights there that have been posted by them and that's on that schedule for the remainder of this whole year, uh, to rain out of this whole year, which one's the one that really stands out for you and gets you really excited? Man, I mean, for me, you know I'm a Regal fan, bro. So it's it's definitely the the, the, the Regal fight. I'll tell you that it's definitely not Javante Davis, Mario Barrios. That's for sure. Which but one's John not? <laughs> really, you don't like that fight, huh? Bro, John Rio Casimero against Guillermo Rigondo, that's a that's, good fight. That's a good fight. That is a good fight. That's, that's the one I'm looking forward to. And obviously, I'm also looking forward to Jermel Charlo Brian Castaño, too, which that will be pretty young. So those are, those are by far my two leading fights. Okay, those two leading fights, which one, though, to you is more competitive? Which uh, one do you think is going to be more competitive? Castano or the Charlo one. I don't think that, honestly, I'm going to say right now, I don't think that's going to be that highly competitive. 
I mean, it would you would think that just because Jermel Charlo's kind of been very athletic, more, very, very athletic. athletic. Um, but there. Oh, I forgot to mention my third favorite fight, which is the Ubali uh, Donare fight. But Donare, the Donare, yes, yes. Title. That's my third fight. But bruh, I'll tell you this: hmm. this is the best people in boxing right now. And I thought Showtime was dead. That's the funny thing. Really? Like the last, bro, when HBO went, I thought Showtime was next. I'm like, right. these streaming platforms, this ESPN deal, it's over for them. Like, PBC, Matchroom, and Top Rank are just going to body, uh, sorry, PBC on Fox, uh, are just going to body Showtime. But now all of a sudden, you know what's happened? Mm. Fox ain't going to be continuing with boxing, bro. So the PBC is having to go back to the Showtime well. And now Showtime's right. where it's again. They always do, though. They've always kind of shown that sign. You know, what they try to do is get... Here's the thing with PBC is they got so many fighters. They got to fill up these dates. They got to satisfy their roster of their guys and stuff. But, you know, I wanted to point something out. Those three fights right now that you just mentioned, which are great, phenomenal fights. I like those that lineup right now that Showtime is showing us, okay? But think about this. Two guys are supposed to be on their way out. Two guys are not even supposed to be mentioned at this moment in 2021. Nonito Dornier and Rigendow. Guess what? They're still holding water and weight here of being very intriguing and taking on very intriguing fights where you got the younger generation like Crawford and Spence that are not really doing much. Kind of weird. You're, abs- you're absolutely right. And it's the generation just below um, the Rio No Donare generation because those guys are in their 30s as well, dog. Um, right. You know, but yeah, I mean, I would love Rio No to win this fight. Although mm. I'm a I'm and a Casimero too. So, I mean, right. be disappointed for Rigo, but not necessarily for the sport of boxing. But the winner of this fight against the monster Inoue, sign me mm, up. Boy. Sign me up. I want to see that. Yeah, I definitely want to see that, you know. And uh, you know what? It is a tall order for both guys, Regan down, Casimiro, uh, for them to accomplish. Both guys are going to have a lot to, uh, to study and remember and perform when they do step in, even like Nonito, you know, Nonito to me um, was on my list of great comebacks in boxing because after really after being labeled as the pound for pound guy, everybody remembering him and put him on the same, you know, uh, uh, pedestal of Pacquiao and Floyd and saying that he was this and that. He kind of fell off as a fighter. Remember that? He became like a photographer, being a media guy, and uh, just would really had, was kind of living that celebrity life. He returned into the fighter mode, the guy that I truly fell in love with the first time, the guy that knocked out Vic Darchinian. You know, uh, that's to me where he's kind of returned. Uh, it's, you know, so I would say a little too late, but you know what? I thought that in the beginning when he got into the tournament, but he's proved me wrong every single time, especially when he got in with the monster. Yeah, absolutely. And he showed who he is in that fight. I mean, you could speak to him much more than I can, Dave, because you're from the Bay. He's from the Bay. I'm sure your knowledge of (laughs) in in that scene out there, you, you can speak to him. For, for days, right? 
Yeah, I mean, he's from San Leandro. Um, I, I, I mean, I interviewed him many, many times. I, I met him and his wife. Uh, you know, I mean, look, after Victor Chilean dismantled his brother, I, I don't think anybody was not rooting for Nonito Dernier that night, man. You know, the cockiness that Vic Tartinian, I remember having Vic Tartinian, and he was just like, everything that came out of Vic's mouth was, I would break, I would break him, I would beat him, I would knock him out. There was not, you can ask him like, hey, uh, do you want a, uh, you want a bottle of water? I'd break it, I'd knock him out, you know? Uh, that cocky, that level of cockiness uh, was something else, you know? And I'm talking Onito. He was just like, listen, I, um, I'm going to go out there. I got a game plan. I'm going to stick to it. And he stuck with it, you know. Um, really good dude to talk to. But definitely, I thought he fell off the ladder when he got into that, you know, which it happens. Media can get into a fighter's head. They can make you believe that you can move mountains, that you're a god. When in reality, the reason why fans fell in love with you is because of your performance in the ring. Um, and I thought that he lacked that. He just forgot about doing any of that stuff, you know. There you go. There you go. So that those are my thoughts on the Showtime schedule, Dave. It's a great schedule. Right now it's leading the way. Uh, we'll Absolutely. see if he and, and, and Matchroom, the zone, can catch up. But that PBC Showtime schedule is looking solid, man. And I'm happy I'm subscribed to Showtime right now. Absolutely. Let's just hope that nothing gets in the way and nothing gets postponed because, you know, Unfortunately, when we see these type of schedules, we get all amped up. There's always one, one or two of them that's going to kill kill the mood. Let me ask you this. What fight out of that whole roster of fights, those three fights right now, I just those three fights, which one would kill the mood for you where you're like, damn, man? I mean, look, I, I think everyone who's here live with us right now is just like me in the sense that we're going to be watching – every single one of these fights. Um, the first one being Luis Neri, Brendan Figueroa. I'm going to be watching that. I'm going to be watching Danny Roman and uh, Ricardo Espinoza Franco. Um, I'm looking down the list here. And, I mean, the biggest disappointment for me on this entire thing is uh, the Tank Davis uh, fight. And... You I'm know, not too disappointed believe- in that, to tell you the truth. I'm, I'm really- uh, you know, here's why I'm disappointed, bro. I'm disappointed mm-hmm. because it, it's going to be on pay-per-view. Yeah, I mean... That's you know- what, that's, that's the, if it was on regular Showtime, I'd be cool with it. Like, mm-hmm. uh, But the problem is it's a pay-per-view fight, and I don't, just don't see it as a pay-per-view fight. And I'm going to buy it, so that's why I'm just not too happy about it. So then I would say that it's not, I mean, you're saying it's, it's not the fight itself. It's a good fight. I, I think it's a good fight. Excuse me. Um, but it's not pay-per-view quality type of fight. No, no, it's yeah. not because the fights yeah. I've mentioned are better fights and they're on free showtime. Right. So what sets the bar in your opinion? Let me ask you, what sets the bar for a pay-per-view fight, what's the model that we need to go back to for a pay-per-view fight? Because to me, I think it's very difficult to ha- to, to actually create a super fight. You know, um, there's only probably two fights off the top of my head that I considered super fights that should be on pay-per-view that I think anybody would be glad to dish out their hard-earned money. I mean, look at it this way, Dave, right? Jermel Charlo, Brian Castaño is going to be a good fight. It's going to be exciting. It's for undisputed and that's not a pay-per-view fight. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas a guy with a secondary title going up in weight to fight another guy with a secondary title is on pay-per-view. I mean, that's just not a pay-per-view fight. So, look, what are the pay-per-view fights right now? They're few and far, far between, and that's how it should be. Tyson right. Fury, Anthony Joshua is a pay-per-view fight. It is. That's a pay-per-view fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything involving Canelo against another champion like Saunders, that's a pay-per-view fight. It's it's a it's he's a superstar unifying against another champion. Once you get off of that, I mean, the fights that are announced that have been out there, there's no other pay per view quality fights as far as I I'm don't concerned. think that. I see that's what I'm saying. What is the criteria for a pay per view? I don't think Canelo and Saunders is a pay per view fight. I think the when they if he gets past him, then if the last guy standing, then I would say that's a. That's what I mean. Like where everybody's, I think everybody's criteria of pay per view. Is kind of different. You know, I say it's a pay per view fight. Hmm. To me, it's a pay per view fight because I would not feel that bad about forking over money to watch it because I think it's a really good fight and Canelo's a superstar. Would I feel bad about forking over money to see Tank David's Mario Barrios? Absolutely. Hmm. I'm going to, I'll give you an example. I'd feel bad on both of them if I tell you the truth. I had, you know, pain from (laughs) right now. I am going to buy Andy Ruiz, Chris Ariola, mm. because I watch everything. Right. I'm not going to feel very good about buying that pay-per-view. And I've said it in the past that I won't buy it. Maybe I won't. But the truth is, I, I'm not excited about buying that. I, I, I don't feel good about buying that. I would not feel that way about buying Canelo against Billy Joe Saunders a much more digestible purchase for me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, the money bag that everybody's talking about with the Trilla thing is that, you know, boxing promoters have been doing this for years, you know? And that's what I mean. I think we fell off um, with the criteria of what should be a pay-per-view because back in the 80s, uh, going into leading into the 90s, it was super fights. It was the Super Bowl for boxing fans. Now everything's kind of like watered down, you know. Um, you had a great segment which I truly loved, and it's on the, uh, it's on your channel on the live at at, at five, and it's on the uh, Solarplex Zone as one of the segments is talking about the UFC model. You yeah. know, they they everything is pay per view for them. Everything, you know, um, it's the watered down model. And boxing is trying so hard to water down all these events, you know, where that's where somebody right now uh, put, uh, uh, Outlaw put, you know, uh, Steven Espinosa doesn't get enough credit for keeping fights on Showtime and going. And you know what? Steven, es- uh, Steven Espinosa has truly shown that he's a boxing fan and he wants to watch some really good fights. Now, does he have control all the time of what's going to be put together, what's being delivered to him? Absolutely not. That's not the that's not the network's job. It's to promoter to sell them a fight so they can put it on a time slot, you know. But going back with the pay per view, I agree with you. You know, um, it's really hard to dish out your hard earned money. But again, it goes back to that anybody, not just boxing fans, we all have forgotten what is the criteria to a pay per view event. You know, and we've saw we we have now seen the low bar 
of what a pay-per-view event is, what's just happened on Saturday night. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that like, like I said, look, Teo Cambosis Jr. is in the pay-per-view. That is an HBO Showtime style fight, championship boxing. It's just not a pay-per-view. Um, it's like to me at the same level of like a Kostya Zoo Zab Judah fight, which was on Showtime, right? Or Absolutely. a Kostya Zoo Ricky Haddon fight, which was on Showtime. It's just not a pay per view. Um, again, right now, literally the only two fights I can justify being on pay per view are Canelo Saunders and Fury Joshua. That's it, there's nothing else. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we had another interview scheduled. I got to let uh, Henry Ramirez that let him know. I don't want to bring him on and it's really choppy and it just looks really ca- crappy here. I think we're at the tail end of our show. We just have to reschedule that one and see if we can get that young man, Darren Cunningham, uh, the third back here on a leaving ring. We're going to have to do it on the uh, gee, stream yard, right? That's what you got there, yeah. Amokar. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. again, everybody, thanks for joining us here on Leave it a ring. Any final thoughts there, Emil Carr, for yourself here before we get going? Uh, no, just uh, happy to be back on Leave it in the ring with you, David. And uh, I'm just looking forward to getting Cunningham back on. We owe it to the young man. I'm looking forward to speaking to Henry Ramirez. I was hoping to hear his perspective on the Ruiz-Ariola fight. I'm sure he'd have some good insights on that, obviously. And um, also just to hear about what he's doing right now in, in the game of boxing. I know he's working with some fighters, and we'll be able to talk to him about that next time we catch him on leaving in the ring. Absolutely, man. He even texted me, and I was like, hey, are we doing this? I got to let him know we're not going to do this. I mean, even right now, I just moved, and it got all choppy here, um, and which is crazy because I got my internet changed. Everything got changed. But, you know, whatever. It is what it is here on uh, leaving the ring. I, again, guys, thanks for joining us. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, don't forget, give us the schedule. A mill car for the podcast uh, rotation. Okay, so Nando's asking about a couple of things. I'll tackle those on the uh, Leave It in the Ring Live at Five Boxing show, uh, which I do uh, Tuesdays and or Thursdays. Um, sometimes they're slow weeks, so I try to get my man Kenny on with me as, as much as possible and some people I have out there in the UK. That's 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific time. Tonight on the Leaving in the Ring Network, uh, you can check out the Shine, which goes live on YouTube. Their podcast will be up later in the week. Tuesdays, we've got none other than D-Style Boxing, Hispanics Causing Panic. Uh, that goes up the following day on Leaving in the Ring Radio Network. Wednesday, we've got Hispanics Causing Panic Uncensored, hosted by my main man, G-Funky, G-Funky Boxing. Thursday is the Leaving in the Ring round table and that goes out live 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific that's on d style boxing and that's pretty much our whole rotation dave puts together the solar plex zone which is like a compilation of all of the different shows that goes out on sundays on the uh leaving in the ring channel so that that's the family right there that's what we do on a week-to-week basis I will tackle uh, that for you, Nando, on uh, on my show on on Tuesday. Along I actually with some other wanted stuff. to give my quick prediction about that, man. I don't know what you're thinking about that. Neverette, Emmanuel Neverette versus Christopher Diaz. Can I get your quick pick on that one? 
Oh, I'm going Navarrete all the way, bro. All the <laughs> way? 1,000? Let's, let's, you know, I, I got to give it to my Native American brother from south of the border, bro. Like, Navarrete right. the truth. Like, Liam Williams is described as the machine. He's the Mexican machine. Liam Williams might be the Welch machine. Navarrete is the Mexican machine. Um, and the funny thing is, he's got a lot of boxing skill. He just doesn't always have to use it because what he's good at gets guys out of there, man. And that's that kind of come forward, rough and rugged style. A lot of people can't deal with it, just like they can't deal with Martinez, man, at 112 pounds. It's a very similar story. I love the guy's style, and I expect them to, to, to come out uh, successful in this fight. You know, I do. I do see him being taken a taken um, some rounds. I I definitely see that. I think um, Chris is going to be a puzzle to solve. To tell you the truth, you know, uh, absolutely. Chris, Chris is going to show him some looks. Yeah, he, I mean, he's been or, in there with some really tough oppositions. I mean, he lost to Shakur Stevenson, uh, which is a completely different style. I agree with you. Never read this. Just the world uh, uh, is a win world, you know. Uh, swirl. I mean, the guy yeah. just comes forward, throws punches from different angles. Um, he doesn't give you time to think and time to breathe. It's going to be up to Chris to really kind of set the, 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 the mood and the pace, which I don't know if he could do that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Neverbet is a strong, strong kid. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it it, it kind of reminds me of... I, I, was, I was about to say... But I don't want to discredit my man Vernon Forrest. That's the thing, because Vernon Forrest was high level. But that yeah. kind of a fight for like Mayorga against Forrest, where I just see him getting overwhelmed from the way Forrest was when he fought Mayorga. Although I do think that Forrest was a better fighter, uh, obviously than um, than um, Christopher Diaz. Christopher Diaz, sorry. And I think that Navarrete's got 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 some skills in there too but like that's the kind of clash of styles that i see in this fight you know puerto rico versus mexico has got a very in-depth history between each other to always make up for great fights you know that the thing is that though we haven't seen ne neverete be pushed back we don't know if he fights off the back foot uh we don't know how well he does but guys are going to give him complete angles um we don't know if you stick a good jab in his face, if he could slip those jab and land these big punches. There are still some questions. There are things there that Christopher could possibly do in that fight. But to me, it, it all adds up with condition and the right game plan. And and not just having one game plan against a guy that's going to be all over you. You know, and... His, yeah, his conditioning, Dave, is exactly it. The guy's in tremendous shape. I remember I saw a documentary many years ago on like uh, the Native American um, running culture in that part of Mexico and how they do like these long ass endurance runs, like crazy runs, like right. two, three marathon level runs, like without stopping. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's Navarrete. Isaac Dogbay tried to ask all of these questions of Navarrete. 
But he he's did. not Christopher Diaz, though. I mean, he doesn't have the skill level, doesn't have the IQ of Christopher Diaz, yeah. you know. Christopher Diaz, exactly. to me, is a, a honestly, to me, honestly, Neverette, this is going to be a new type of face. He's skilled, skill, skill-wise, he's facing. I think that Chris, Chris possibly could show that Neverette may not be the monster that we're all praising him to be. He may show that he's, there's there's a possibility of taming him. I, I, this is a really great fight, man, in my opinion. But, but for both guys to go at it this right now at this level of the, in their career, I think it's a phenomenal move. I'm looking for that. And I got something for my man G-Funky real quick. Uh, you ready for it, David? Go ahead. Nice. Smart. He check up under my car for tracking device. Sharp. <laughs> Be cool. Think twice. Think twice. If the chairs get behind you with the lights. With the lights. That's my man Efeezy. What does he funky know about Efeezy, man? E Fonzarelli, man. E40. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, come on. You're from the Bay Area, Dave. Oh, I know. And actually, I've I've, I've met uh, uh, E40 uh, a lot of times. Um, I actually knew his cousin pretty well that was at a studio in uh, Fresno, California. But, um, you know, what? I mean, I'm not saying I'm not a fan of him. I just, I mean, I, I like some of his music, but I've never, I'll be straight up, I've never been a West Coast lover. Like, you know, I can listen to NWA, Ice Cube, Snoop Dogg, but to be all honest, I was a DMX, Black Rob, uh, uh, you What's know, Poor Righteous Teachers, uh, yeah, you're about the East Coast. Yeah, I was the East Coast head, and everybody used to th- think that I was crazy. We're like, why? Like, you like all that crap? And I did. I was a lyricist. I loved lyricists. Not saying that E40 and them weren't. Um, I would still bump their music, but it wasn't my to go, uh, uh, you know, uh, list of of songs that I would tune in. But hey, whatever. <laughs> well, there you there you go. So. Uh, yeah, let's get back at it again, bro. Let's get Cunningham back. Let's get Henry Ramirez back. And uh, let's do this again soon. Absolutely. Okay, folks, hope everybody enjoyed this segment here of Lunar Ring. Too bad we couldn't get these interviews going. But we'll get back on track. We'll get the uh, StreamYard up over here. And, uh, yeah. All right, man. You guys have a good night. Don't drink and drive because you will spill your beer. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas Caballero. 